You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. Before we get started today with our teaching on the renewing of the mind, I want to talk to you for just a moment about supporting this broadcast. We don't do this all the time, but occasionally I do ask for your help and support financially for what we do with this. There are expenses. It does cost money. And uh, one of the things that you could do is go online to my website, myfaithroots.com. There is a giving link there, and you can click on that and give as God would direct you. Uh, This is not your tithe, but if you would like to give an offering toward this, we certainly would appreciate it. One of the things that I'm doing right now is I'm hosting retreats for pastors, many of whom cannot afford the cost of a retreat. I'm going after pastors who are struggling, guys who need help. And so anything you give to this will help me in this great outreach, and I do appreciate it. And of course, your gift is tax deductible. All right, we are going to continue with renewing the mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says this, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul said this after he talked about all the things that the Holy Spirit does to help us understand the Word of God. Having the mind of Christ, though, is different than having the Spirit of Christ. Here's what Romans 8, 9 says, Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So the human spirit of every person who believes on Jesus is supernaturally reborn. This is not an ongoing process. It isn't a process at all. It is an instantaneous supernatural work. It's no different than the birth of a baby. That is a process of development, but there is actually a day and an hour and a minute when that baby is born. Same thing is true for spiritual rebirth. So it is not due to any work of ours. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. And this change is both legal and vital, meaning that it is a change that is recorded in heaven, but it is also a change that is affected instantly in our heart. So it's both on the books and in the heart. It is both legal and vital. Here's what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 say. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So again, we see it's not a process at all because it has nothing to do with our works, not even our ongoing obedience after we come to faith. Listen to verse 10. For we are His workmanship. He's the one that did the work in the new birth. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God prepared your spirit when you were born again and put gifts and capabilities in it in order that you could fulfill the journey that he has for you. 
God gave me a different journey than, say, my friend the missionary, Jack Harris. Jack absolutely loves going to the third world. The deeper into a country he goes, the more he likes it. I have been on missions trips. I did not particularly enjoy them. I am not called to that. I have been a pastor. I love working with the same people, teaching the same people. That's what I've been called to do. And so my gift is totally different. God prepared my spirit for the journey that I was to take. Uh, when I became a pastor, one of the things, uh, and by the way, I'd been in ministry for quite some time before I became a pastor, I did not demand that my wife be a typical pastor's wife. In fact, she was really troubled at me becoming a pastor because she had seen the way that certain pastor's wives had operated. She did not feel like that she could do that. It was not in her gift and capability. And uh, some would say, well, she should have just accepted it. No, uh, I never pushed her to do something that was outside of her gift. I felt like the Lord really put it in my heart that she was to be primarily my helper, which is exactly what she wanted to do. She was not in public a lot, did not, was not seen a lot, did not lead all kinds of things around the church. She was not its social director as so many pastors' wives are. She didn't do any of that stuff. I was so busy that I needed her to be the guardian of our home, and that was her primary gift to us. And today, when you look at my four children, you can see that we must have done something right. And I have to give her the credit for that because she was the one who made certain that our kids were taken care of. She was also the champion of our own home. I was the champion of the church. I believed God for things of the church, but she would always be the one to believe God for a house or to sense that maybe we're going to move or we needed to fix something. And she was always the one who did that. Every now and then, I might be the one who led with that, but most of the time it was her. So God gave her a particular gift to compliment me, and I didn't try to force her to be anything that she wasn't. Listen to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know what this means? It means that when you feed your spirit, spiritual desires will flood your consciousness. In other words, God will lead you with your desires. Your good and holy desires will be the way that we know we're following God. Sometimes we're so afraid that God is going to make us do something that we absolutely do not want to do. And that's the way some people preach and talk about the name of the leading of the Lord and the will of the Lord. And nothing could be further from the truth. I got a hold of a book on missions when I first became a believer. And the author of this book was pretty frustrated that more people weren't called to the mission field. So he pretty much laid a guilt trip on you if you were a minister but did not want to be a missionary. And I would read that and feel so condemned. I wanted to be with all of my being a pastor. I was on fire for Jesus. I was leading people to Christ. And our church was a missionary church. We supported missions all the time. I was only too thrilled to help people to get to the mission field. 
but I was not called to be a missionary. You see, we have to understand that God tempers us for the thing it is that He has for us. And this is what I've found. When you are in the middle of the will of God, you're doing the things that you deeply spiritually desire. All right, the process then of renewing your mind is about re-educating your mind to be in harmony with your reborn spirit. Ephesians 4.23 says this, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You can see that the Apostle Paul links those two parts of your being, spirit and mind, together. The mind is a part of the soul. So when you think in concert with the teaching of Christ, what you're doing is you're putting your mind under the control and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you could never renew your mind without the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we can read the Word. The Word does a lot for us. We see so much in it. But the Word does not work alone. Without the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, we couldn't do anything. It is the Holy Spirit who gives life to the Word. So it's important to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who opens your eyes to truth. Now what is happening when you renew your mind is you are changing your wardrobe. God changed your heart, but now it's up to you to change yourself on the outside. Now let me read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, verse 22, verse 24. For indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. So when we hear someone teaching, we're not just hearing a man or a woman teaching. We're hearing the Holy Spirit through them. You put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt. In other words, when you are born again, you have to take off that old filthy suit of clothes that you've been wearing in your rebellion against God, in your disobedience to God, in your unbelief, in your fear, and so forth, you're taking that off and you're putting on something new in its place. And you put on the new man, which was created, according to God, to resemble God. That's what one translation says. The new you is designed to resemble God. Now, I resemble God in ways that other people don't. Other people may resemble God in a way that I don't. Some people have gifts of kindness, of listening, of, of spending all kinds of time showing great compassion to others. They're very mercy-motivated. And I know that during the years that I was senior pastor, there were times I had to make some pretty tough decisions and meet out discipline and deal with troublemakers or actually with wolves in the church. And I know that there were certain people that just didn't understand that, or they maybe uh, understood it, but they thought to themselves, I could never do that. Thank God Pastor George is where he is. It's because that was my gift. I had a gift to be able to do that. I am a protector by nature. I think some of it has to do with the fact that I was left unprotected in my childhood. My brother and I were exposed to all kinds of things because we had an alcoholic mother, and we were taken places we should never have gone. People came to our home who should never have been there, and our own mother 
uh, treated us in ways that she shouldn't have treated us. And I know she's deeply embarrassed by it today, but the point of it is it motivated me to guard anything that I was over. I am intensely jealous over my home and when I was senior pastor over my church, over anything that God put me in charge of. I think that may be one of the reasons that God called me to children's ministry is because I had a real passion for kids, but I was determined to protect kids. And so when we had, for instance, a kid's camp, if I smelled any kind of smoke spiritually, I investigated. If I saw a counselor doing something or heard something, I didn't just let it pass or ignore it. I launched an investigation. I was not going to falsely accuse anyone, but I wasn't going to allow anyone to do things to our guests, to our children, that would not have been Christ-like. I was determined that we were going to have godly people. You know what blew me away? It was especially this way in the first year that we launched our camp. We had so many compromised people who came to join our team. And in the beginning, I trusted people a lot and didn't ask a lot of questions. And I learned, boy, howdy, you better ask questions because there were two or three people that could have ruined us had I not dealt with them because they had moral impurities and things about them that weren't right. And I dealt with them until I cleansed it. And then one of the lessons I learned is to be a little bit more careful in who you hire. And so we investigated a lot more. But I was determined not to let those things mess up the beautiful thing that God wanted to do in us for kids. You see, God gives you a personality, and He does things in your spirit that equip you for the thing that you need to do. Now, here's what Isaiah says. All your children shall be taught of the Lord or by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Here's what this verse means. If you want to have peace in your soul, if you want your mind to be at ease and at rest, you have to be taught. It doesn't happen automatically. You can't have peace just because you sing a lot during worship at your church. Oh, that may bring you peace while you're in that corporate atmosphere. I know when I used to go to church as a baby Christian, I felt wonderful during the time that I was there. But I got to tell you, as soon as I got out of church and went back home, I had troubled thoughts. It was not until I was taught that I began to have peace on a daily basis. And it was a process. Didn't happen overnight. Satan will fight you every step of the way to rob you of the joy of your salvation. So that's why it's important that you learn the Word of God, think the Word of God, let the Holy Spirit teach you, listen to people who teach the Word, and as that happens, great will be your peace because you will have a renewed mind. That's all the time I have for today, but we're not done. I'll pick up here tomorrow. I hope to see you then. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below? And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, 
You can do that by clicking on the link below or going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.